What is up, everybody? Welcome to the latest CSU special. Uh, I am your host, Jeff Morton, um, and this was brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Yes, they are back. And it's also brought to you by Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee, in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. Uh, go to bfwdenver.com to get yourself a wine bottle, or you can pick it up. Uh, virtual wine tastings are really, really popular right now. Go ahead and do that. Um, you know I've been reading for Blanchard for for two years now um they don't pay me to say this stuff i just do it because they are really really good um so go to blanchard family wines or go to the dairy block or go to bfwdenver.com to pick yourself up a wine bottle that red zinfandel that was finished in whiskey barrels is just absolutely primo um so when you go in or you talk to them tell them me jeff morton from csu podcast sent you um so my guest today is a friend of mine who i just occurred to me i mean this is how this is how dumb I am. It just occurred to me this week that I have never had this man on this podcast before, which is uh, which is a crime. Uh, I, I I was even on his podcast. He was doing at Denver Stiffs, and I did not. I hadn't even brought him on, and it just it's I I I feel personally aggrieved at myself. Yeah, what the hell, Jeff? <laughs> I was going to send you an angry email, but yes. it looks like we've resolved it. Well, we have. I I, I sufficient groveling and uh, gift certificate sent. And uh, <laughs> it is my friend from DNVR, uh, someone who I used to work with at Mile High Sports, uh, is uh, Brendan Vogt. Hello, Brendan. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me on, man. I was thinking about this because, of course, I used to work with you, for you, even. Mm -hmm. How few podcasts we've done together in general. Um, like we have spent more time off the mic around each other than, on, than, than sort of working together, which is interesting yeah. uh, in terms of directly, so... Well, we should stick together because we're the two of the smallest, uh, the shortest people in Nuggets That's Media. Right. And right. um, you, you, myself, and Anilo. Uh, <laughs> the ironic thing about that is Anilo is the reason I brought you on. That's right. So. <laughs> That's right. That's my guy. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, look, tell me before we get started, tell me a little bit about what you do at DNVR. <laughs> what what your role is what you do i mean i was going to give you a title and then i'm like i don't know what to say so tell the people what you do and what it's about yeah so you give me the hard question because i'm not <laughs> sure if i know if i know the answer <laughs> yet uh i think at this point anyone who's familiar with you sort of knows what the dnvr thing is mm -hmm. and you know at nuggets obviously adam is is our big X's and O's guy. Wind is our real reporter, right? Our traditional beat guy. Sure. Um, and I'm, I'm just a bit more of a talking head, man. I, I, I think kind of a liaison between the fans and the team and, and uh, you know, sort of like a talk radio guy, I suppose, but it's really changed, hasn't it? Yeah. Between podcasting and, yeah. and the unique thing about DNVR is we build actual real life relationships with a lot of our members and, and, and readers and so forth. So there's a lot of front facing stuff, uh, a lot of getting to know people personally, mm -hmm. a lot of work on social. And then, you know, man, I try to contribute to the Nuggets coverage with uh, some writing and, and some podcasting. So it's a different, I, 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 I think they hired me to be me more so than fill someone else's position. And, and so mm -hmm. I guess I'm still trying to figure out how to answer it too. Well, it's, it's one of those things where I, I you, you are very good at things that I am terrible at. Um, oh, which is specifically social media, which I'm just, I just am one of the worst. And I, I, I think mostly that's because I'm lazy. Um, mm -hmm. 
And I think you really got to. I've always said that about you. Yes, exactly. And and you always got to put yourself out there and apply yourself a lot. And I don't give a shit. And I think you need to. (laughs) And you think you need to be able to do that. And you're very good at 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 doing that and getting it more than I ever can. And and that's I guess that's part of it. And I guess that would be part of your role at DMVR is to just be the guy that gets it, because um, I I just that is kind of invaluable to uh, any sort of organization. It's someone who just understands. And I think that was one of the things we lost when uh, I was at Mile High Sports. Um, we lost uh, the guy who got it. And I think that was that was something that uh, has, was Mile High Sports lost, but, but definitely DNBR's game. I appreciate that, man. I mean, I think it's, we really just want there to be a voice because again, one we're really trying to eliminate any sort of gates that are being kept between a basketball fan and media. We do not want to lock ourselves away in an ivory tower. And I think part of that is trying to to sort of on social have a voice that's that's real and maybe a little less corporate and a little bit more like, hey, we're one of you. You know, we we take this seriously. It's our work, but we're prowling the timeline and, and digesting this as fans in a similar way to you. And we want to do it with you. So that's just something I try to bring. I try to bring into what I, I do. And, and here's the bottom line for me, man, I growing up watching things like your favorite sports on ESPN. Mm-hmm. I always wanted what I call the more, right? So there's the four quarters, then it ends. Well, let me see SVP break that down on Sports Center. Let me get the beat right piece the next day. Let me get the pot. I just, you know, as fans, we want it to last longer right. than those four quarters. And so I just try to do that for Nuggets fans. Okay, the game's over. You want more? We're trying to bring that to you. Right. And uh, as someone who's from New Jersey and came out to Colorado, uh, on a lark, basically. I, I mean, you've basically told me mm-hmm. this, and uh, you've said it on other venues. That you, you've kind of put yourself in an uncomfortable situation to, in order to get to where you wanted to be. Um, it's very interesting to me. And uh, obviously, do you think your perspective, specifically coming from someone who just is not part of, did not grow up in the Colorado thing, and, and, and you've been exposed to us, we're all very casual people, um, <laughs> and bringing your perspective, coming from not necessarily where you were, but from outside, do you think that is something that uh, has uh, been part of what you've been able to bring to at least general sports coverage at Denver? That's an interesting question. Yes and no. I remember when I first got here, there was there's a sort of northeast vibe to just how we go about everything, which is a little more unabashedly ambitious, right? Like it's there's no shame in in sort of this almost hawkishly type A career oriented thing. Mm-hmm. And so you do get this advice when you leave Jersey and you go to other places, people will say these sort of cliche things to you, like just bring that Jersey hustle, bring that northeast mindset, mm-hmm. and you will you will thrive. But I quickly found myself a little more interested in assimilating to what Colorado is about and and sort of learning from you guys and the fans. And I have found there's a sort of, there's a speed to which things are done here for better or worse. That's more my speed. And so initially it was, what can I bring to this? Mm -hmm. And it's really for me changed Jeff into more like, what can I learn? from being here. Right. And that's definitely more of my perspective on it now. 
Well, it's an, it's an interesting thing. And I, one of my things about you and I, and look, this podcast is not to, not to jerk, uh, Brendan, Brendan off here. I'm not, I'm not trying to do that, but I just, yeah, you're doing to... a good job so far. I feel very, my ego feels swole. <laughs> I feel like I could do this for an hour. Okay, so. great. Well, we, we I, that, that's going to be my next podcast. Um, I, I've got already got eight podcasts I do. Um, but I, I, I think, I think one of the things I like about Brendan, and then this is one of the things that I, um, uh, immediately saw when he was on with Mile High Sports, and this is this is such, such a selfish thing on my part, but it is one hundred percent something I vibe to, is that there is a, there's a lot of people who don't get me, and a lot of people who don't get my sense of humor, but man, I've never met anyone in the Denver media who, who has been like who just goes with it when I'm just like being obnoxiously snarky, <laughs> and, it, and Brendan was the first the first person I'm like oh man, he's on it. And I'm like, that guy, that guy, that's one, once again, that guy gets it. And that's totally a selfish thing that applies to nothing else other than my relationship with Brendan Boat. <laughs> that is Northeast. That is something I brought with me, man. Yes, like you're exactly. not friends with someone unless you just openly shit on them in right. front of their friends and colleagues. <laughs> so like, that's my love language. There's no one I care about that. I haven't talked shit to to or behind their back it's a horribly unappealing quality but the sarcasm the wit uh it's just how we do it so i did pick up on that with you yeah um whereas other people i know really just just consider you an asshole jeff well exactly uh, well I, that's what i you know i that's my specialty is to being an aloof asshole when it comes to denver media but <laughs> i but i try to do it with a, a, a sense that they are not understanding what i'm saying so i i you know i cloak it in that but now we're going to go from the jerk Brendan off uh, portion to actual what's going on right now. And the Nuggets have pulled off another their second trade of the week featuring the same player. Um, and so let's kind of get into this. The, the Nuggets traded uh, Bobo and PJ Dozier, uh, both injured, to the Boston Celtics um, in a three-way deal. And the San Antonio Spurs in turn sent back um, – Bryn Forbes and the Nuggets also sent a uh, second round pick to the Spurs. I think it's a 2028 uh, second round pick. Um, That's correct. Yep. So when you saw this come down last night, what was your like initial thought about how the trade, how the trade went down and your, your first perspective on it? Well, initially I laughed, right? Because right. there was a lot of bowl related panic after mm -hmm. the way everything went down with Detroit. Um, and there was like a lot of, um, like the tables have turned in that narrative several times now, right? As far as who do we blame? And, right. and so will the Nuggets ever get to trade bull? Do teams, will teams trust Denver's front office a little less for trying to pass off as it seemed an injured player in a trade? Well, it turns out, no, Jeff, three hours later, they traded him. So right. no harm, no foul. <laughs> <laughs> I had, I had no choice but to laugh at that. Um, <laughs> Dozier is a guy. I think a lot of us are surprised to have seen them tr trade Right. But of course he was injured. Right. So what you have is a guy who was not going to play again for the Nuggets this season. And for whatever the Nuggets hope to extract out of PJ and whatever Nuggets fans like about him, this is an unproven in betweener kind of guardless player, uh, positionless player, I should say, as a guard. Um who was entering free agency on a serious injury. So if you can can turn two injured players into a guy that can play right now 
Right. All these guys are expiring, right? I mean, I guess you have control over Bull, but the Nuggets weren't going to bring him back anyway. Mm-hmm. So two things, A, good on Tim Connolly and company, but B, that to me, that also says they're not, they're not folding and, and they're not packing this season in. They're, they are ready to compete. Uh, they want Bryn Forbes, the shooter. They wanted that roster spot. And so, you know, just that much more affirmation that the Nuggets still believe 2022 is a part of the window. Here's my view on this, and this is not based on in any, anyone I've talked to. This is just my own opinion. Um, I don't think the Nuggets do this trade getting back Bryn Forbes because the first trade they did with Detroit yeah, it was okay. Mag- Roddy Magruder is okay. He's, he's, sure. he, he was a plug-and-play sure. guy. It was more of an considering the time it was more of a we need another guy can just eat up minutes basically this Bryn Forbes seems to be more of a oh this guy can play and I don't think and 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 just once again in my opinion I don't think the Nuggets do this unless they are certain that injured players are returning I I mean I uh, honestly I don't think they do this unless because Bryn Forbes is expiring after this year. So it is the same as Dozier and, and bowl. Right. Yeah. Well, they're all expired. Yep. And it's roughly the same amount of salary. I think the nuggets sent out a little less than they got back with Forbes. Yeah. They actually, they are a little closer to the cap now having brought yeah. Forbes in. So I don't think they do this move unless they don't think that Jamal and Mike are coming back this year. That's and, and, I think that kind of has influenced the way I view this trade. I don't think this is just a random plug and play. I think this is more of a, we can do something here. Yeah. Uh, And then we're going to talk about later someone else who may be coming on. Um, But take it in that perspective. Do you think that this is more of a, we can win this year kind of move than it is just, expiring equivalent contracts yeah we'll move on from bull i agree no i do think this sort of says a larger thing about their perspective i think you're right i think everyone feels the way i'm about to say which is murray coming back is definitely happening when is the question but it is happening um porter on the table a little less you know i think we're all a little we're not holding our breath for that one as much but i agree with your perspective that not just bringing forbes in which real quick right just 48 hours ago was it the mvp said it, the whole world knows we can't make a shot or the right. whole league you bring in one of the best shooters on the market on the trade market so that is a direct response right to that right but then also don't like opening up the roster spot which that last detroit bull trade did not do and i think some folks misunderstood that that was a one-for-one trade with a pick attached this right. one has opened up a roster spot which to your point jeff also to me says, Hey, we're not punting on this year. We have what we believe to be the best player in the world. So let's figure out how we can, how we can reshuffle around the edges because this does not have to be a lost cause second half nightmares aside. Well, it's interesting because um, I've been more bullish on Mike coming back Hmm. than others because I have relatives who went, who had, similar uh, not identical disc surgeries to the one he did and i know that there are certain things that have happened and come with uh having a disc surgery one of which is repeated sciatica um like it will happen over and over again depending on how much strain you put on your back but it's not a structural thing it is a pinched nerve thing 
and shave the nerve down right yeah and what happens is they go in and they shave down the nerve and they shave down the, a little bit of the vertebra to make sure that it's not still pressing down on the nerve and the the best sign in the world to me that mike was maybe coming back this year which at this point i gotta say people before you aggregate this i don't know when no one knows what is going to be happening with mike but I will say good signs are pointing that way. And one of the best signs was the fact that he felt be better immediately. He felt just it, right from everyone I've spoken to around Mike. He, uh, he just was like, I can play now. You know, it's like, he's got that kind of, you know, sure. Buoyancy because it's like, it's the best he's felt since forever. So I think that is hovering out here, which will, who knows when he comes back, but Jamal coming back is really interesting. And I want to get your thoughts on that because I, in relation to this trade, um, as we know out here in Nuggets country for when there's major ACL surgery, sometimes that results in, it takes a while for people to come back to be, look like the, their usual selves, but people have thought, I think with Jamal that he's going to look a little bit more like Jamal when he comes back. Do you think, are you in that mind frame? Because I'm still in the, I think it's going to take a while for Jamal to look like Jamal. Um, but are you more in the more positive camp on this? No, I'm with you. I mean, we absolutely have to prepare for what would be a totally understandable and natural ramp up, right? Coming off that long of an absence, nothing, by the way, not just his knee and his mental competence. How about just his conditioning right. as is well exhausted and documented, nothing simulates being in game shape. You have to play games. So that will take a minute. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then, of course, we also know Jamal is a notoriously slow starter, right? Like, and that's not necessarily a huge knock on him. It's just this is a pattern in his career. It takes, you know, he does, he plays himself into peak shape throughout the right. season. He plays himself into rhythm. And so, yeah, man, I do not expect him to come back and look like Bubble Murray in any way, shape, or form. What I'm encouraged by is there's a human element to this where no matter how much you tell the things we just said to a defense, if I'm a defender and Jamal Murray's out there, I I am hesitant to leave him open and not guard him the way they do Faku or even um even Monte at times, right? right? So that it will still make Jokic's life easier. But I don't think we I don't think anyone should hold their breath for Jamal the hero coming back right away, you know. Oh, it's 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 it Jamal and, and one of the things I've always said about Jamal is that you could you can tell he's using every fiber of his being when he's out there. He's, he's the, he's extremely hard worker and he does some amazing stuff, but you could tell every muscle is working at the same time. He's not like, he's not a natural athlete. He is a natural Agreed. talent. Agreed. And I think that contributes to his injuries. I mean, I'll be honest with you because you, when you're working that hard, it's just, it happens. Um, I will say that I, I'm, I'm okay with the way the nuggets have got this thing structured, um, because this year was always about survival. It was always about just get through it because there's no magic wand that was ever going to heal this team. It's, it is, it is what it is. And I think the way the nuggets are set up right now, two games over 500, they've got three home games left. Uh, before they go on a six game road trip. Um, I think right now is a good chance for them to get to that point to where they're okay with surviving 
until whenever Jamal comes back and there's rumors anywhere from February to end of March. I mean, it's just a wide berth here. So when you look at this team and you see this Bryn Forbes injury, uh, injury, this Bryn Forbes trade, do you think that he can help them get even more through to when Jamal gets back? And where do you see his role going forward once Jamal finally comes back in? Those are great questions. I mean, with, with Forbes, like from an archetype standpoint, fitting into the roster, there is no question that he can help, right? Right. He's not, we should draw a distinction too. Some guys happen to shoot well from three over the course of a year, very well, even over 40%. Right. But Bryn Forbes specifically is a catch and shoot threat. Go into those play types, those shot types on NBA.com. You will see that he excels in the spot up role. And there's no doubt about it that, while it has been a bit of whack-a-mole for the Nuggets, what's the issue throughout the season? The big one right now, as Jokic said, the whole league knows they can't make a shot. They know how to guard Jokic appropriately. So is Forbes a guy that scares a defense into guarding Jokic any differently? Probably not, right? This is a nine-point-per-game guy in his career. He's not a world beater. Mm-mm. But is he a guy that can knock down that open shot? Absolutely. Um, he can help. Where he fits in is fascinating, not just when Jamal comes back, Jeff, but also right now, right? right? What is this? Does, do, do Faku's minutes drop a lot? Mm. Um, and Forbes is a shooting guard, not a point guard. And, right. and the Nuggets have a lot of this with their guards, don't they? I think Ryan Blackburn tweeted this out. Faku's a point guard who's not NBA player sized. Bones is a, I don't think we know what Bones is. Forbes is a point guard size shooting guard. Mm. So, <laughs> I, you know, it's not perfect. So do Faku's minutes take a jump back here and does some platoon of bones, Barton Forbes add off to enough playmaking that, that the second units can survive. I'm not sure. I think Forbes has to play. He should play. Uh, the, the, the question is like when you dial Faku's minutes back as poorly as he's played at times, who is the point guard? So it's complicated. Well, I, 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 I was listening to the locked on, with uh, your boy Adam and and Matt Moore this morning, and I, uh, Matt said Austin Rivers would get his minutes cut. I, I don't. I do, this is my thing. I don't think Michael Malone is going to be ever cut down Faku Campazo's minutes yeah, in a way where he feels like he's not being used. I do think that it may be a combination of everyone who gets their minutes cut on the bench because right. quite frankly, the, the, the bench unit has been at times abysmal this year. And a lot of it is because sure. a lot of it is because it's just, there's no cohesion to it. It's just not, it's, it, there's no consistency to it. Um, but it be, you guys got to get used to playing together. I mean, and that, that's really uh, right priority number one is that right. you got to be used to playing to the guy next to you and there's just no cohesion to it uh but also on the other side of it is that as Jokic pointed out none of them can shoot and unless bones is hitting those 35 foot shots um you're having some issues so Bryn Forbes helps there but you still need a point guard and you can't just plug Monte into running both units you have to have a point guard and I don't see the Nuggets going away and going to Will Barton running the point or anything like that in order to repl- replace Faku. I think Faku is going to be out there, but I think everyone will subsequently get their minutes sure. reduced a bit. The Rivers one is interesting because I think 
against maybe all odds. He's a Malone guy. Like he's a trust guy. Malone likes the guys who are going to play hard in perimeter defense. Now Rivers is prone to some brutal lapses. And I think at times his perimeter defensive prowess has been overstated, but again, it's all by default in Denver when we're talking about perimeter defense for that's a team for which there's almost none. Right. So anyone who can, I think is going to be one of the apples of Malone's eye. And, and I do think Rivers actually kind of is that guy for him right now, or one of those guys. So it'll be interesting to see um, all that said, Faku's inability, he had that nice little resurgence. His jumper was coming back. He was mm-hmm. having a good stretch and that's all tanked. He cannot hit an open shot right now. Rivers isn't willing to take him. So changing that up, getting Forbes on the floor more, I just think it should help not just the bench, but even if you have to go to those Jokic and bench guys minutes, because uh, again, it's, it's been so ebb and flow all year. Mm-hmm. Um, you just want more shooters and, and he's a actual catch and shoot guy so we'll see all right well uh we're gonna uh, i'm gonna do a read for DraftKings, but on the other side we, uh brendan and i are going to talk about uh the potential maybe sort of sometime maybe in the future but maybe now uh, addition to a center on uh, another center on this nuggets roster but first i want to talk to you about DraftKings sportsbook america's top or excuse me you're an official sports betting partner of the nfl Boy, I'm going to get some emails about that. Uh, we're on the to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is celebrating with huge a huge odds boost um, for new customers. Counting down to the Super Bowl, two Super Bowl 56. Excuse me. God, I'm fucking this up. You can get 56. You want me to do this? I know this read. I know this read. <laughs> 56 to No, you don't have to do this. 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Now, uh, people like these uh, same game parlays. Uh, it's a good way for you to stretch your money. Um, and if you're not a new customer... Uh, you can still get in on all the action with these same game parlays because uh, people like them parlays on multiple multiple game par- parlays or single game parlays. It's all a great way to stretch your money and make your money work for you. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code MHS and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win $280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code MHS for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, prescriptions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Okay um boogie cousins has been rumored to be coming to the nuggets for a while now i do have it on good authority that uh it'll happen soon um are you sure can i ask you again anyway yes you can um i yes there has (laughs) been there has been multiple i mean i remember last year when austin rivers was going to sign uh, his 10 day to come to the nuggets uh, at the end of the year after Jamal. And it took the nuggets like two and a half weeks to finally sign him or like two to three weeks. Um, it, it's kind of like this. I, I think the nuggets are doing the due diligence is, is what I'm told. Um, so I anticipate DeMarcus cousins coming in. That is a Jeff Morton uh, feeling, but um, if said, if, if DeMarcus cousins comes in, 
how do you think he fits into this? Because they're already trying to wedge in uh, another guy who's six sure. foot two and uh, you know a guard. How do you think Demarcus Cousins fits into this whole spectrum? Well, it's it's interesting because Jamichael Green having a no trade clause throws a real wrench into this right now. Right. Otherwise, I think this situation is probably screaming for him to get dealt. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the potential in that deal to help the Nuggets stay under the tax, even just by adding another guy on a minimum here to fill that other roster spot. Bobby Marks has them and Spotrack has them 1.5 away from the tax. The minimum for a, a guy who's played two or more years, Jeff, is at least 1.66 mil. So even that's going to get them. Like there may still have to be more reshuffling around the edges. All that said, they cannot trade trade Michael Green. I have a feeling they'd like to keep playing Zeke Naji. So does Cousins become your, your backup five? And is Jermichael Green essentially out of this rotation? Um, again, that's that's this is a weird thought exercise because we're saying, okay, let's imagine Michael Malone dropping a trusted vet. Hard to do. Right. <laughs> but who plays? And 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 they do need a center. Maybe it's again a matchup thing, as Malone sort of tried to do with McGee. If they have a traditional five, we're throwing cousins out there. We have the small ball look with Jermichael in our back pocket. But you also made the point that this bench needs rhythm. They need chemistry. And they haven't practiced. And so all these guys are coming in and out of health and safety protocol and injuries. And they're returning to a different lineup every other night. It's not going to come together. So some consistency. I think if I had to pick like a move that makes sense, a permanent move, it's Boogie at the five. And I think Jermichael's out at this point. You know, I... I here's my here's my thing and i i i think that the nuggets were caught between uh the results of the nuggets investing an asset last year in bringing in a center a backup center in fact two different assets and them not getting a ton of playing time coming into this year adapting to that perceived reality and having that reality not work out and I think that part is you're seeing the results of that with DeMarcus Cousins coming in. And I think that him coming in maybe solves a little bit. I, I mean, they needed a backup center. I mean, the point being to me, I, I think they've needed a backup center because they, you can't, there's no one for one thing. And they needed to keep some consistency from one unit to the other, and they weren't able to do it. They were trying to replicate the Nets thing from last year, uh, where, uh, for quite frankly, Jeff Green was playing backup five minutes in the playoffs. Obviously, it wasn't working. Uh, I think he can. I think Cousins can can provide that. My worry about Cousins is the locker room, and I don't know. Uh, that if he can sit harmoniously with everyone, I still don't know his reputation precedes him. So maybe sure. some of the, the delays, the nuggets doing their due diligence and whether he can mesh, you know, the two things that give you hope there. Well, three things. And the first is that beggars can't be choosers. Right. So I think anyone who's over six ten that would like to come play center, come on down. But <laughs> There's also this element of you can look to his stint with, with Milwaukee. Now, they moved on because of financial reasons, but every public word 
said about that, those 10 day stints, maybe it was just the one, I don't remember, was that it was successful yeah. and that he was a pro. So there's that. And then I also think, man, this is where Michael Malone makes his money, right? This is where he butters his bread. This is his thing, not just player relationships, but heck, let's get specific with Boogie Cousins. Malone famously the only coach he like really liked in Sacramento. They fired him anyway. But is this where you go, okay, we, this is where Malone is our guy and we just trust him to, 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 to bring this in and have it be harmonious. And another thing we have to point out for whatever feelings you and I may have about that reputation that's preceded Cousins, um, you know, we've learned this through Porter and now Austin Rivers. We haven't covered him yet. We haven't met the guy. We don't know if he would be a problem. So I think maybe for me, you fall back on Malone here and say, this is where, this is where he gets it done. Well, I think this is where Malone actually, um, I think this is where he excels. And yep. I think that is, is probably his prime primary attribute is guys like cousins and Austin rivers and, and guys like that. Uh, not necessarily, I wouldn't say necessarily Mike, but, but rivers and, and cousins can be guys that, fall into a a malone guy category and he was he can communicate and be uh express himself better to these guys than he can to maybe some other side but he's, he responds well to these guys and i think that part is something that is key and that is a very that's a a credit to michael malone that he is able to be a good communicator to guys who've had uh, iffy right. reputations in the league, and 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 that is absolutely one hundred percent a Michael Malone attribute that it goes undersold, and I think maybe is his best thing because it's really hard to communicate, as George Carl found out, to people like Demarcus Cousins. Yes, this is Malone. This is Malone's best attribute, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's why I think he's been specifically why I viewed him as the right guy for this job over these years, in which. All right, it looks like the planets are line, are aligning for a golden nuggets era and then like let's take virtually everything that could go wrong. Back surgeries, torn ACLs, global pandemic, you know what I mean? Like guys who they thought were going to stick around, Jeremy Grant are are gone. Right. That's where that stability and those text messages and flying out to Vegas and sitting down with every player front row. These are where these things add up. And I do think that these guys care about Malone and his message of play hard for each other and all that stuff resonates. You know, he's, he's not Greg Popovich, but this is what he does. And I think it could be particularly valuable in this weird context. Well, no, it it, it specifically in a look, this is Malone's contract here. Um, He's, he's only got one year left in his deal. This is for all intents and purposes, his contract here. And I would say that this has probably added to the stress of the situ- situation for him. Um, he hasn't always handled it very well. Uh, the post post Clippers game was one of his lowest moments. Um, and yeah. I think he learned from that, but this has been a rough year. This has been a rough year for everyone. I, this is this, uh, this rough two years for everyone. And yeah. it's hard for me, and then and we can talk about this a little. It's hard for me to take a lot of examples away from these last two years because they've been so screwy and so weird and so outside of the norm of what we're expecting for, for these seasons. When you look at the last two years as someone who has covered the, the, the team for the last five, six years, do you, think, do you think that this is something that can be taken away 
and added to any of these teams. I mean, uh, all these contending teams that have gone through and been successful. Do you think they could take any sort of lasting impression away from this? Or is this everyone in the same pot of crap, basically? And uh, it's kind of like, until normalized, we won't know for sure how this is all going to shake out. I get the sense that the latter is really the perspective of Malone and Jokic. And I mean, that's, that's shown through to me in their public on the record comments that as far as the macro scale of what the Denver Nuggets are up to, no one's faltered or, or no one's lost their way. But as far as the day-to-day of what it's been like this year, F yeah, it's been weird. I like Jokic has, has even said, like, we're just taking it a day at a time. I don't know. I don't know what our goals are right now. So I do think, I, I do think there is a, like, does this even count? Kind of like, is, is, is this real basketball? Is, is, does this, you know, what does this say about any of our legacies or contributions to this league or to this team? And so I think there's kind of a real outlier vibe that's, that's sort of hanging over this whole year, like a dark cloud. So I'm not sure, man, I'm not sure. Or is, the, or is this in three years, the Nuggets talk about this as their their turning point as a contender and they won the title because they learned how to steal up and stay together through moments like these. I well, don't I, know. Yeah. And I, I kind of want to um, ask you this because I, 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 you know, as we, we joked about this prior to on Twitter, you know, I, I tend to be reside in the nineties. Uh, I've never moved. Um, but you, you mentioned golden era. Has the golden era had a bit of a, a weird taint to it because of this pandemic? And I, and I, I just, I'm trying to process that, that myself because like I said, everyone in the NBA is going through the same thing. You know, I, I when Malone was talking about how it, the Nuggets have had it rough, I, my first reaction was to say everyone in the league, everyone right. on the planet right, right now it's is true. going through this. And when you look at this quote unquote era, has what's been going on outside of it kind of affected your perception, maybe not as much as mine, but perception of the, the, what has been accomplished so far by this Nuggets team, or do you, does it enhance what they've been able to do? The latter is TBD, right? I mean, if they're able to come through it and come out on top, then you just go, man, th- these really were the guys all along, weren't they? But I, I do think there is this dynamic of there was this positive and linear upward trajectory for the Nuggets. Like every year they were getting better. Every year the vibes were getting better. Every year there was more reason to 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 take them from that cute, fun league pass team to, oh no, they're a problem, to no, they're a contender, to the point where post-AG trade pre-Jamal Murray injury, worst kept secret in the NBA. Front offices around the league were scared of the Denver. This was it. It was all lining up. And I think now we've sort of had to deal with you don't want to say nug life because this is a global thing. This is impacting everyone to your point, mm-hmm. but of that group of contenders that felt like they were ready to go. And, and this pandemic really chopped at that for them and, and chop blocked them. D- Denver is one of those teams where you go, man, it was all lining up for us. And it's not just the pandemic, then Jamal's injury. It does feel like that rug has been pulled out underneath, yeah. but this is, this is, this is the luxury and the beauty of having, one of the greatest players to ever pick up a basketball, right. even through these things, you hold out hope, don't you? Yeah, exactly. And I, 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 I'm, I have a lot of faith in Nikola Jokic uh, above and beyond 
the extraneous stuff. And I think he's the, uh, I'll be honest with you, he's the sole reason that Nuggets are 22 and 20. Sure, and it, it's, sure. it's, it's, it's Nikola Jokic. He is the reason they've been able to hit, take, have their head above water. And when you think about the ragtag bunch of people that have come through the Nuggets the last month, you, you can say that what Jokic is doing is almost Herculean. And sure. it deserves to be mentioned, I think, up there with some of the best, better accomplishments, uh, in my view, in NBA history, because this is this has been a guy who's just because he. Michael Porter Jr. pointed out, right, people gave him shit for it, but he was absolutely right. He doesn't waver, whether it's the beginning of the game or the end of the game. He is the same. He doesn't, I mean, unless he's getting pissed off and hacked to death, you know, which is another thing. But there is like this steady pulse to him. And if the Nuggets didn't have that steady pulse, they would be riding the Malone emotional roller coaster. And this would be a disaster of a season. This is Nikola Jokic's maybe not shot crowning moment because that'll come win a title, but this may be sure. his, his biggest accomplishment. I mean, look, the best comparison I have, and he has not yet to win a title, by the way. So let's go first era. I mean, it's LeBron and Cleveland like stuff. Yeah. Just in terms of the on off swings, the, the net rating swing, excuse me. And these on off numbers, like they are absurd. And this is about as much as you could ask one player to lift the floor of an organization. There is no doubt. But at the same time, you know, Cleveland had LeBron and so does Denver. So I, I kind of, you are right. But the the notion like, well, they're only 22, 22 and 20 because of Jokic. It's like, yeah, well, I'm only alive because my heart's beating, but that's kind of how it works. You know, <laughs> this is true. Well, I don't know. You may be one of those the luxury of having a heart. I think. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, before I let you go, um, I pointed out earlier, you're from, you're from Jersey and uh, uh, unfortunately a Giants fan and, uh, Hell yeah. <laughs> and inexpl inexplicably, as you and I have discussed before, a Cardinals, uh, a St. Louis Cardinals fan. Um, yeah. How bad has, for my Colorado image? I was going to say, how has, uh, how has this juxtaposition worked out for you? Because I mean, the Giants haven't been great for years, but they've won four Super Bowl. Um, and the Cardinals are perennial contenders. So, I mean, how has this amalgamation of sports love been in your life? Because, uh, like I said, when I first met you, you were talking about the Cardinals, and I'm like, this makes absolutely no sense. But, but do you have me family members out there in Missouri? My dad, yeah, my dad's family is from from St. Louis, actually. So oh, it's wow. it was passed down to me. It wasn't like a it wasn't the world's weirdest regional front running of all time no. yes. uh, that's a really good question because i've really enjoyed this side of the fence uh when looking at the nba i did not have a favorite team i found being as a nets fan to be a virtually soulless experience post those <laughs> lakers finals um and especially where they actively didn't give a shit if they were good because they knew they were moving to Brooklyn, at which point they traded every draft pick conceivable to be good right away. And I'm like, oh, I'm glad I gave you my hard-earned money to show up to the IZOD Center, you assholes. But um, so F the Nets. But th that brings me to this. I was following LeBron's career, and that's as much a big market national kind of way to enjoy the league as you can. And coming to Denver – I just understand what is so appealing about the hard-earned path, the 
the the rewards of being of a sports fandom that doesn't actually reward you the way that I've seen with the Cardinals and the Giants over you know historically. Mm-hmm. It's really enabled me to sort of look at sports from a sort of smaller market. The Nuggets have not mattered, right? Their cultural footprint in the NBA is pretty small uh, in my lifetime outside of some of the mellow stuff. And so it's just been really fun to go like, you know what, that doesn't dissuade anyone in this organization, anyone who comes to this arena, anyone who's on Twitter every day, they still give a shit just as much as I ever cared about my teams or LeBron. So I've really become sympathetic to the Denver's, the Utah's as they, as they navigate an NBA that's set up to reward the Lakers, you know? Mm -hmm. And I also reflect on the giants and the Cardinals who have fielded many very good teams in my lifetime. All, the, the World Series that they did win, those teams weren't very good. All four of them were actually underdogs that overperformed. Yeah. And those are my favorite years ever. <laughs> so I think I'm really in on this organic kind of team building, slow build thing where maybe you don't get that instant gratification, but there's something almost more fulfilling to it that I've really come to appreciate. No, you hit on something. You, no, no, that's fine. That, that was a great answer. Um, you hit on something that is intrinsic to me um i've been a nuggets fan because in denver the underdog has always been the nuggets and always and well maybe not the 70s but i mean in my lifetime since i was born in the late 70s um it's been the nuggets have been denver's for a while they were denver's second team and then they became denver's fourth team when they got two more major sports interestingly enough in the 90s I was also a New York Knicks fan and I loved the Ewing Riley era Knicks. That was, and it was because I couldn't stand the bulls and I hated, I rejected the hype and I loved It's weird to say it, the underdog status of those Knicks teams. Um, Cause they, they wore it. Well, they were very working class team. They were like, we are who we are. Uh, a bunch of people who are going to beat you up on the court and that sort of thing. And uh, there's a book coming out by uh, Chris Herring called Blood in the Garden. Uh, it's about those 90s eras, Nick. So I, you know, plug on here. It's out now. For, out now. Yeah, Go yeah. get it if you want. It. It. Yep. And uh, so, but anyway, I, I, re- I respond to that, man. I, that, that is my, that's built into my DNA. Mm-hmm. And there is no better underdog team than the 94 Nuggets. And that's, that's just, and that's why I keep pointing that out to people is like, that is my personality is liking that team and that team overcoming a lot. And there's something of that built into the people who live in Denver is that, that, that yes. underdog mentality coming out. Now you can't live by it. And once you win as evidenced by Broncos fans, it could become go to the way to the other direction. <laughs> right. So. Live long enough to become the <laughs> yes, become exactly. the evil, right? Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. Uh, did you feel that when you came back out to Denver? Definitely. There's a weird almost everything here is kind of juxtaposed with either coast. And I don't mean that in like an obsessive way. It's just that is just sort of here is an alternative lifestyle to what for people like me had to learn backwards is just like not i lived in very populated bubbles in my life mm-hmm. but it's this is a big old country jeff <laughs> a big old country <laughs> and we all have different relationships to this stuff and so that's sort of what i meant going back to that assimilating comment and wanting to learn 
Like I really had no, no desire to come here and be like, well, here's how we do it in the big apple. You know, I very, I really like learning and, and sort of soaking this perspective into my perspective into sports. Mm-hmm. And I, you brought up the Knicks comparison and they're interesting because when the Knicks are the underdog that wins, that's an awesome story, but it's not the local media's burden as great a job as Chris Herring has, has done with this book. I'm sure, which mm-hmm. I have not read yet. ESPN will also go, wow, what a great underdog story. The Cubs win. ESPN is going to go, look at this. The curse is over. This is a national. The Nuggets could be just as big an underdog in terms of organizational history to, to win a championship as any team ever. And people still aren't going to give a shit outside of Denver. So I really like that I'm privy to what is going into that. Should it ever happen, right? Should mm-hmm. it ever happen? I like that I was here before it was that I'll have the context for what went into it, why it matters so much to the people here, how much it matters to them, and for what reason specifically. Like as a storyteller, there was an opportunistic thing about moving to Denver for me. I was like, oh, I want in on that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I'm going to, this story is going to be told by people outside of, of Colorado. That's a that's a great comment, man. So we're we're we're, we're like the we're like the hipsters of uh, NBA sports fandom, and I, I uh, it's like we are the people who like the Pixies before they they got everyone liked them. Um, that's right, right. Thing, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but uh, but fortunately, we're not wearing uh, a bunch of really mismatched clothes and drive bikes with bike fills. So. Um, we, we we won't be doing that. But anyway, uh, thanks to Brendan Vote here. I, I just, dude, I really, uh, uh, it's my fault. I never had you on, and it, it's yeah. it's been an extremely endo- enjoyable podcast. So, where can people find you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Brendan Vote V as in Victor O G T. But my work lives on the DNVR.com. Myself, Harrison Wynn, Adam Mares, and of course the show with Eric Weedham and, and Duvalier Johnson, your guy as well, mm-hmm. superstar Dev. Well, you can find my written work on the dnvr.com and, and listen, if any of what Jeff and I were just sort of saying about being in on this experience and, and wanting more with feet on the ground appeals to you, come to the DNVR bar on York and Colfax, where we have carved out a headquarters for people who feel the exact same way about the Nuggets. Come there to watch the game, come there to scream at the game, come there to connect with Nuggets fans. That's what we do. All right. Well, if you're uh, like they're talking about voting rights here in Washington, uh, but vote Brendan is all I got to say. So, wow. uh, uh, (laughs) Perfect. Let's get out of here. All right. Uh, So anybody, thank you. Thank you you for all listening. Thank you, Brendan. Vote. And uh, I'll be back soon, uh, probably tomorrow with another episode. Ta-ta. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.